What is up, RFL fans, and welcome to Inside the Nest, Episode 5, where we talk all things Snowhawks, all day, every day. So this week, I actually was able to sit down and write a pretty large script, so we're going to be uh, going off that, and I hope to uh, be able to post this uh, script on the website so you guys can see my... Uh, Complete thoughts in uh, text form as well as obviously in audio form for you guys who don't want to read it. So, first of all, uh, we're in week one of the RFL season. Uh, actually, no, we're in week two. Uh, we've just entered into week two. Last week, we played the Thunderbirds in our week one matchup that premiered at 1 p.m. Eastern on, our, on the RFL YouTube channel. Uh, we came out victorious over the Thunderbirds, 31-24. Uh, let's just start off with our offensive uh, recap. Uh, quarterback play. When watching the game, I think Joseph Gilly played an excellent, played excellent against a tough Thunderbirds defense. He was tw he was 29 for 33 for 200. He was 29 for 33 for 276 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Gidley seemed unfazed as he dissected the Thunderbirds defense going through his progressions and finding his wide open man. So just talking about Mr. G, G Money, the Italian gunslinger, whatever you, whatever you want to deem him that week, uh, he played an excellent game against, uh, the Thunderbirds only missing, uh, four passes the entire game. So he can't, no, nothing to uh, complain about there. Uh, having 276 yards passing on an excellent secondary is no small feat. Uh, having no turnovers, uh, that was another uh, large feat that we'll talk about later. Uh, yeah, Joe Skilly just was able to sit back and uh, read the defense and go through his progressions and find the open guy if it was in a man or zone coverage. Uh, All-around excellent uh, game by uh, Mr. G. Uh, heading to our running back play, uh, DJ Scott played hard as he picked up key yardage. Scott showed he didn't want to lose any reps as he played head down, heads down, tough running between between the tackles. DJ Scott was an animal on the goal line as he got into the end zone twice. His first touchdown, he hurdled Jaron Gray on the goal line, getting into the end zone. Well, for his second touchdown... He showed some discipline running, following his blockers, leading him to the end zone. So all around, I think DJ Scott had an excellent game against the Thunderbirds. The Thunderbirds have an excellent front seven. That's very well known uh, uh, through their D-line and linebackers. Uh, with Wayne Norman, Max Moore, Carl Brodine, Ingram, and Knight, Jaron Gray. You can't ask for a much better front seven right there. Every player excels at their job, what they need to do. So for DJ Scott, he ended up with 17 carries for 71 yards and two touchdowns. That might not sound like a lot at the end of the day, but he picked up key, key uh, first downs and uh, yards that was needed, giving Joe Skilly like second and like second and twos, third and ones, third and inches. Like giving the opportunity for the offense to make a play on the next down. And that's most important. If you're not going forwards, then you're doing something wrong. 
Unless you're running outside zone, then. If you're running outside zone, then I guess you don't need to exactly go forward, but I don't think there was any massive uh, plays made by our uh, offense that put us, set us back besides the one sack that happened in the fourth quarter where Ingram was working on uh, Cameron Smithson, uh, who was playing right guard. So that set us back to like a third and 17. But Joe Skilly was uh, composed and found Karish Curry on a comeback route to put us back into field goal range, which we were able to get three points out of the situation. So that was good composure all around. Uh, heading to our other back, Jake McDonald. He didn't get many carries. He only had seven. He had seven for 28 yards. So that's not ideal for a running back that you want to like use more often in like a two-back system. Make sure that no one's tired in any situations. But he might have only had seven carries, but Jake McDonald ended the game with nine catches for 41 yards. Those numbers aren't crazy, but he picked up impact plays when he needed to if it was Gidley just checking it down to the flat because the Thunderbirds had good coverage and Jake McDonald was able was able to get off the field and pick up uh, key yardage in situations or if he picked up a first down breaking a tackle or just uh, picking up a control third in inches that uh, DJ Scott was tired for on that rep or just wasn't in that formation so all around from our running back play, I think we uh, played pretty good, pretty good football. Uh, at the end of the day, we had 103 yards on the ground, so uh, no complaints there. 71 by Scott, 28 by McDonald, and we had a fullback dive on the goal line by Darnell Keys, which picked up four yards, so that was uh, a nice play we designed up. Heading to our wide receiver play, Karish Curry was the standout player of the week as he had six catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. Car uh, Curry was working against Bill Stevens most of the game, went in wide three wide receiver sets. This was a, was a mismatch as you need to put an Eric Schroeder or an Alex Moroncola on him. Uh, the Thunderbirds had Alex Moroncola playing in the slot on... Uh, Three wide receiver sets guarding uh, Juan Chaney, so that gave Karras uh, an uh, opportunity on the outside to get open on slants, comeback routes, as he was working against a younger corner who's still growing up, growing and developing. Uh, Daryl Martin Jr. had had a very quiet game as he faced up against Eric Strader, rookie corner out of Florida State. Uh, Schroeder did a great job against Daryl Martin Jr. as he held him to only three catches for 29 yards. But Daryl Martin was able to get into the end zone on a slant for a touchdown. And uh, yeah, slants are hard to cover as a corner, so nothing, no knocks on Eric Schroeder. He did an excellent job keeping Daryl Martin quiet. So yeah, shout out to Eric Schroeder for an excellent uh, rookie debut in the RFL. Did a great job. He held his wide receiver under 30 yards. You can't ask for a much, much better day. And for the third and final member of the trio, uh, Juan Chaney lined up in the slot most of the day up against Alex Morincola, as said previous. Uh, so it was a hard-fought battle all, all game. Uh, Juan Chaney came out of the game with four catches for 46 yards. So he picked up some crucial downs. I remember... 
him running a drag route and uh, spinning off a tackle of Eric Strogers and being able to cut up the sideline for a nice pickup of, uh, I think it was like 10 yards. 10 yards. And uh, obviously our, our star uh, tight end, Keen Lynn, had uh, made, made good on his targets as he moved the chains often as he was targeted six times and picked up 55 yards on his catches. So great all-around play by our wide receivers throughout the game. And uh, one note, Dwight Schmelzer was out, out of the game with a calf injury sustained in practice. He will be back and ready healthy for against the Salt Lake City Elks when we take them on. Hang to our O-line play. Oh, uh, I was very, very impressed by our O-line as we were taking on the Thunderbirds D-line, one of the most feared units in all of the RFL. Uh, looking at their D-line with Ingram, Knight, Moore, and, and uh, Jack Brod, not Jack, Carl Brodine. Ingram broke the sack record last year with 27 and a half sacks, if uh, any listeners didn't know that. That was a big milestone by uh, Isaiah Ingram. Uh, so heading into this game, our biggest worry was if our O-line would be able to hold up against the Thunderbirds pass rush. So earlier this week when we were able to obtain uh, all-pro left tackle Dylan Rollins from the Mexico City Diablos in a trade for uh, Dre Dawkins, sending him down to Mexico City, uh, I, I couldn't have been happier. As I knew playing uh, end of Knight or uh, Max Knight or Isaiah Ingram's caliber, that if we didn't have a solid uh, tackle, that it was going to be a very long day for Joseph Gidley. As our as our left tackle was going into the season, which would have been Cameron Smithson, uh, he's an excellent run blocker, but he uh, struggles in, in pass blocking at times. So... We would have probably seen a very different outcome from one of these two pass rushers if we didn't, if we weren't able to acquire Dylan Rollins uh, before before kickoff. Uh, the Hawks only allowed one sack, and that was to Isaiah Ingram, as he was working uh, on Cameron Smithson. Actually, uh, himself, we moved him to right guard this week, obviously after acquiring Dylan Rollins, Smithson's. Uh, wouldn't be need to be used at left tackle at, at this time. So we moved him to right guard. Isaiah Ingram was working in on side on him as uh, I think Jaron Gray was rushing. It was either Jaron Gray or J.P. Stickman was uh, working on Blair Harden, our, our right tackle. So go, seeing that matchup uh, before the ball was snapped, uh, one would assume that it was going to be a messy, messy rap for uh, Smithson as he just doesn't have the speed and quickness to a, to a main, uh, contain such a pass rusher as Isaiah Ingram. So Ingram was able to shed off of uh, Smithson's block, get to Joseph Gilly, sack him for a 14-yard loss. That put us at a third and 17. And Joe Skilly was able to find Cars Curry for a comeback route of 11 yards, putting us at a 4th and 6. And we were able to get 3 points out of that. So that was a very key turning point in the game. As without that, there could have been very well an opportunity that those 3 lost points could have been the deciding factor in this game. 
Uh, Dylan Rollins and Blair Harden put Ingram, uh, Isaiah Ingram and Max Knight to sleep, which was a which was a huge milestone uh, for uh, the Snowhawks' uh, game plan. Being able to uh, keep Isaiah Ingram and Max Knight quiet when taking on the right and left tackle, major accomplishment. Those two are some of the best pass rushers in the RFL behind some others like Charles Raymond, Marvin Wolfolk, Dwayne DeMonche. Uh, that's probably your top five right there. And if if Isaiah Ingram isn't number one, then someone's crazy. But Isaiah Ingram's probably number one, and Max Knight is no lower than number eight. So taking on two top eight pass rushers in the entire league is... Uh, very scary, scary thing going into a game, having that. Uh, but looking at the run, run blocking side of the ball, I definitely think we could have did a better job. Like I discussed with our running backs, uh, Scott had seventy one yards, McDonald had twenty eight. That put together makes ninety nine. So we didn't eclipse, but we did eclipse because we had the fullback dive, which was four yards to make it one hundred and three. But we didn't eclipse 100 yards with our two backs, so that was definitely be a goal that we would have expected to do. Uh, uh, Isaiah Ingram played some great run defense when we did outside zone. Uh, Max Moore and Carl Bodine, along with uh, Wayne Norman, played excellent run defense up the middle on our power runs. So... With that being said, like you're playing up against a great front seven, so... Having not the, well, I think we have a pretty good O line, but our O line's not like, a, we're not a bunch of bullies that we're going to be blowing people off the line, especially D linemen of this caliber. Like, you're not getting much push, and if you're getting push, it might be backwards. So, that's never good. But overall, I think our run game was great, pass game was great. Uh, o line protection was amazing, as I just as I just stated going over this. So, yeah, that's our offensive review. Uh, heading to our defensive side of the ball, not the same tune. I was not at all happy with our uh, how our defense performed, especially our D-line and linebackers. Uh, I was very disappointed in the D-line play. We failed to generate adequate pressure on LC3, giving leading to him being able to escape, escape our contains. One of my biggest uh, things going into this game was getting pressure on LC3. He is an excellent scrambler, and he put that on. He put that on us this week as he scrambled for 160 yards. But uh, whenever you're facing a scrambling quarterback, number one priority is to get a pass rush and get contained set up so he can't escape out the out uh, outside the tackle box. And we failed to do that this this week. Uh, Shout out to the Thunderbirds tackles. I think it's BJ Tripp and uh, Trevor Saxton, the rookie left tackle. Uh, both of them played excellent, shutting down Dwight Northrup and Ryan Sylvester. So good on them. Uh, they did a great job doing uh, containing them. They uh, neutralizing. Run defense was absolutely horrible. We failed our game plan to slow down inside zone. Uh, we were blown off the ball, allowing large rushing lanes for uh, Rashawn Overstreet. 
So that's just unacceptable. We're supposed to be a disciplined football team that plays good run defense. Rashawn Overstreet had uh, 111 yards on 22 carries. And LC3 had 15 carries for 160 yards and a touchdown. So that's just absolutely horrendous. That's 288. Yeah, 288 yards allowed on the ground. That's unacceptable. Like... That cannot happen. You're not going to win football games allowing 300 yards rushing on the on the ground. We got very lucky in this game uh, that LC3 de decided to choose not to slide. Uh, sliding wasn't for him. Uh, yeah, so LC3 had himself a field day having 160 yards on the ground. It was an all-around failure by our front seven allowing this to happen. Luckily for our front seven, LC3... LC3 chose sliding, wasn't for him this game, and we were able to force three fumbles, which inevitably was the deciding factor in the game. Our linebacker play, uh, we already discussed how terrible the run defense is, was, so we're not going to harp on that once again, but it's acceptable. Uh, I was very impressed by our coverage, by our backers and sub-backers, covering tight ends and wide receivers running an under route. Along with the outside zone defense, so yeah, that does talk about the run about run defense, but I think we did a good job shedding blocks on uh, outside zone plays. It was mainly the interior runs that killed us. LC3 need to run so much due to his wide receivers not being able to create separation from our corners. Looking at our DB room, uh, I was very impressed by our DBs, yes, was I impressed by our DBs? Yes, but the Thunderbirds wide receiver room is pretty much a practice squad wide receiver room. They have uh, Carlton Fadnukin, and then some younger guys, and Carol Tripp and Dean Staley, who are still developing. So they can become great at some point, but at this time, at this point in time, uh, they just aren't up to a caliber enough to uh, compete at the highest level. So I'm not going to be writing home about this performance of our DBs as if we got worked by these wide receivers then this season be looking pretty grim for our secondary as these wide receivers are definitely not the best we'll see and this will probably be the be probably be the worst wide receiving unit we'll face this season. So yeah, nothing to write home about by our defensive backs. Uh, looking at their passing stats, uh, Carlton Fanukin had four catches for 50 yards. Carol Tripp had four for 32. Rashawn Overstreet had four for 32. Ryan Moxon had one, had a one, uh, not one, three for 16, and he scored a touchdown. Uh, something quite impressive, honestly, is we managed to keep uh, Tate Phillips off the stat sheet. So that's that's a massive. Uh, that's a massive victory for us, as Tate Phillips is uh, an excellent tight end in the RFL. Uh, if Tate Phillips was had the ability to stay healthy, he could, he'd be a pro bowler almost every year. Like He's just explosive, he's fast, he's quick, he's nimble, great blocker. So the ability to keep him off the stat sheet is uh, a real eye-opener. Uh, looking at our special teams, Dylan Lang made all his kicks but didn't get the ball into the end zone on kickoffs, leading to returns. 
uh, Logan, not Logan, what's his name? Our punter, Becker, did a great job even pinning the birds down at the two-yard line on one punt. For our return game, Little Obi did a great job returning the ball past uh, the 25-yard line a couple times. And on punts, he felt, yeah, fielded the ball cleanly. And that's the ultimate goal. Is if you don't have if you don't have room on the punt, uh, just call a fair catch, uh, field it cleanly, run off the field, let the offense go to work. Uh, summary of our summary of the game: uh, offense played excellent against the Thunderbirds defense. We had no turnovers on the day, which was one of the biggest things that Coach O'Brien preached this week at practice. Ball security will win this game. Very impressed in our O line once again. Defensively, we need to generate more pressure and cannot allow quarterbacks to be comfortable as their secondary is still young and they have not reached the no-fly zone level yet. The DD line is looking for a paycheck and they will need to show up in these upcoming weeks if they want to receive it. So that is our overall summary of the game. Uh, we received three questions in the post-game press Excuse me. Uh, three questions in the post-game press conference. First one coming from wide receiver prospect from Michigan, Darius Hodge. Uh, what were the biggest factors that gave you guys the edge in this game? Uh, as as discussed just pre just previously in our game summary, ball security. Uh, we were able to force three turnovers on LC three. Uh, we were able to recover all three of the fumbles, which was a game changer. We were able to take away three possessions from the Thunderbirds. And uh, one of the biggest things in football is possessions. If you're holding the ball, that means the other team does not have it. And if you're on offense, the other team's on defense, and they have a less likely opportunity to score. Can they score? Definitely. But the odds are lower. So the biggest factor in this game was our ability to play good ball, uh, ball, uh, have good ball security, and keep the ball in our possession when needed. Uh, so also our O line. Uh, oh, I can't. Gonna, you guys are going to tire me of hearing me say this, but I cannot believe how well our O line played against the Thunderbirds D line. Again, one of the best D lines in the RFL. Rob, if you're listening to this, I know you're going to get tired of hearing me uh, talk up the Thunderbirds. Uh, they're an AI team right now, so you're supposed to beat the AI because you're supposed to be better than it. Uh, next question comes from to Coach Tor of the Orlando Sentinels. His team was also playing at in the 1 p.m. slot. They took on the Salt Lake City Pioneers. And in the YouTube chat, I deemed my game the best 1 p.m. game. So his question is, why do you think you had the best 1 p.m. game? Why I think I had the best 1 p.m. game is uh, the RFL audience was looking to see what a fully a fully assembled Snowhawks offense would look like in week one after obviously last year's season uh, starting off as a rocky start with my suspension due to Draftgate. So it, I think a lot of people were interested to see how I would fare against the forever reigning Thunderbirds, who uh, have only got who I can't even say, no, I can't even say that they have only got stronger. Yeah, so like they 
the Thunderbirds uh, locked up cornerback uh, Eric Strader with the second overall pick with a uh, questionable trade with the mon- with the former Monarchs coach. Uh, and two offensive linemen in uh, Trevor Saxton and Zach Watkins. So that was a great first round for the Thunderbirds. So in that respect, they had a good draft and only got... Only got better in that respect, sealing up two great off- young offensive linemen in a lockdown corner for years to come. So, everyone thinks that, well, not everyone. Some people think that the Thunderbirds will still be competitive, even without a coach and being controlled by the AI. So, with that being said, my high power offense versus the Thunderbirds' uh, explosive, fierce, electric defense. With uh, the likes of Morin Cola, Strouder, Mays, uh, Gray, Norman, uh, Moore, Bodine, Knight, and Ingram. That's just a couple of them, along with uh, Derek, Derek Gonzalez, aka Gonzo, uh, Bill Stevens, and who's the other player I'm missing? JP Stickman. So, yeah, that's the defense that the Thunderbirds are putting out there. So. I think this was the best game because um, I just think... No, actually, no. I think this was the best game because I think it should have been a primetime game. I understand why it wasn't. Uh, but, yeah. I just I just think that it was a it was an all-around great game to watch. It came down to the end. LC3 leading last, a, la- a two-minute drill. Will he be able to score? Will he won't? He didn't. We forced a fumble on a scramble of his. Be able to recover the ball and come come uh, leave leave Toronto with a victory. So that was very uh, crucial for us. And the last question comes from Chrome, a uh, very uh, early subscriber to the RFL. One of one, if not the biggest OG of RFL. Uh, he has three players. One being Jerome Davis on the Chicago Cougars, David Jones running back on the Chicago Bulls, and linebacker Duke Pascal on the Toronto Huskies. They're all in the same division, so he gets to cheer on the ARC North weekly as he has a player everywhere but the Aviators. And his question was, thoughts on your offense against one of the best defenses in the league? Well, I'm pretty sure I've answered that question at least three times in probably the last six minutes. If not... Uh, in Darius's question, Tor's question, my whole talk about my offense and defense, my game summary. So I'm not going to beat it. I'm not going to beat it again to a pulp. Uh, in week two and week three, we have uh, air quote bye. So we'll be back in week four against uh, the Salt Lake City Elks. Uh, I'm trying to think if we're, no, yeah, we're. Nope, the Elks are coming to uh, Elks are coming to Portland, so they're they're coming up coming up to Portland to take on our Snowhawks. So we'll be using these next two weeks to prepare for the Elks, and uh, we'll definitely be watching uh, Sunday night at eight p.m. as the Crusaders take on the Elks. Elks have a brand new quarterback that no one has seen play for them, being Eric Fisher, former. Uh, Rookie of the Year in Season 3 and First Round Pick. I'm pretty sure it was Pick 14. Uh, they traded their former star Kyle Bain to the Austin Desperados to acquire Eric Fisher. So, 
Sunday night at 8 p.m. is going to be a statement game for the Elks to see if this trade was worth it or if it'll just be if it'll just blow up in their faces. So I will definitely be watching that game and preparing for these next upcoming weeks. Uh, that's everything Snowhawks. Talk about week one. Got uh, a bye week these next two weeks. I'll still probably put out a snow inside the nest next Tuesday at some point. It won't be very long, probably, as we'll just be talking about what we've seen in practice. If we have any contract extensions that we've agreed to, if anyone told us to uh, pound sand or, or anything along those lines, if we have uh, free agency acquisitions, if we trade anybody in these next couple weeks, you you guys will hear it next week on uh, Inside the Nest, Episode 6. So that being said, I thank everyone for coming to Episode 5 of Inside the Nest. If you guys enjoyed, make sure you, uh, I don't know where you can uh, drop a like on Spotify if that's a thing. I don't even know if that's a thing. Uh, make sure you react to the post in the Discord. Uh, helps me see who's, uh, w- who's watching and listening. And gives me a little extra motivation to record the next episode. So I hope everyone has a great Tuesday night. And I'll see you guys in the Discord and at the podcast tomorrow, 8 p.m. on the RFL YouTube channel. Peace out.